I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Mark Wakefield. He's the Senior Vice President of Premium Chocolate at Ferrero. On the show today, we talk about his pathway to becoming Senior Vice President of Marketing at Ferrero, his stops at Unilever, and working on a number of really interesting campaigns and brands along the way, and then a lot about revitalization and brand stewardship within the portfolio that Ferrero currently has, including revitalizing former Nestle brands like Baby Ruth. And we go deep. It's This is almost a masterclass on brand building and revitalization. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Mark Wakefield. Mark, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Alan. It's, uh, thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, no, it should be a lot of fun. Um, but before we get into the business side of the conversation, I hear you're a bit of a fitness fanatic and you've completed five half mar- Ironmans. Is that right? Half Ironmans? Yeah, that's right, actually. Um, I love challenge, adventure, learning. And uh, I guess that flows into a bunch of different things. I'm passionate about food and wine and, and cooking and different tastes and textures. And of course, I'm passionate about chocolate working at Ferrero. But you know, in terms of new things and challenges, um, I had on my bucket list to do a marathon. And I kept training and I was getting injured. 
And my wife, who's a physiotherapist, said to me, why don't you try triathlons? And uh, so I remember after I did my first triathlon, someone turned to me and said, oh, it's your first. You're hooked. And I, I sort of said, ah, nah, this, I'm just trying this. And I just went on to keep doing this more. And uh, I eventually did five half Ironmans. I've taken a bit of a break, but I think with five half Ironmans, maybe you could call me a tin man by now. I own five bikes. I keep trying to buy more speed. Uh, but the truth is, I'm not getting any faster. I'm just getting older. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, I hear you on the getting older part. That's amazing, though. I mean, like that many triathlons or and Ironmans. Is it because of the varied workouts that the injuries started stopped? Yeah, exactly. So the funny thing is, it actually took me a full year when I started training to get into the pool. I just didn't want to do that. And I've never been a really great swimmer. So I decided to, uh, but I did get into the pool eventually, obviously. And uh, I just wanted to try something that was uh, injury free. And actually, I've never been injured doing the sport because of the, I guess, the cross training, the multivariate uh, type of you know workout you're doing. It's just uh, holistically better. Um, you're not doing the repetitive strain on one type of sport. I never made it to a marathon. And so, you know, I think the cycling really helps to keep you fit and, and manage your, uh, your, um, your strain on your knees. So I think that's the way it's working for me. And uh, I've really loved it. It's, it's great. And it's a very friendly sport too. You know, people are cheering each other on when you're walking or running beside someone, you're talking to them on the bike, you're talking to people. The swim can be a bit crazy because <laughs> you're in a pack, but, uh, but it's a lot of fun and I've really enjoyed it. And, uh, and, uh, it's been a great experience. So thank you for asking. I really, uh, really appreciate that because I'm really proud of the, having the opportunity to do it and to, uh, to complete those five half Ironmans. That's awesome. So let's transition, if you will, from exercise and triathlons and Ironmans. What's been your path to become the senior vice president of marketing at Ferrero? Well, you know, I've had the good fortune to work at two great companies and I've learned a lot. You know, I started my uh, career at Unilever. I was there for 17 years and I did a mix of marketing and sales. The first five years, I, I went back and forth between junior marketing, junior sales, went out in the wholesale retail territory carried a bag. Then I went back into marketing. And then they decided that if you wanted to be promoted to a director level, you needed to go and run a key account. So I went back into sales and I just kept learning and I think broadening my skill base, building empathy, but also learning from both sides of marketing and sales to improve my skill set and increase uh, my knowledge of how to get marketing through to the end end consumer right through the shelf and onto the, the basket. So then I went back into marketing and I, I developed a, I went into home care, the part of Unilever that's part of their detergent business. And I, I really started to, that was a big breakthrough, a big first big brand test for me. And I went up against in laundry detergent, the fortress of Tide. And that was that was really great because that experience of going up against a formidable competitor taught me a lot. Came up with a concept called go ahead, get dirty. So if Tide was about being obsessed with clean, we would be obsessed with having fun, having being free, getting dirty. And that doubled the business in three years. Then at my marketing career, I, went, I got noticed and I went to London to uh, the head office of Unilever. And I worked on an evolution of that concept, which is called Dirt is Good, which is a 
pretty famous worldwide campaign. And I think that gave me a great experience to travel the world. I went uh, to all the different four corners of the world with that job. And from there, I got really interested in different cultures, geography, food. And, uh, you know, it's part of my passion is the adventure, the challenge and the learning. And so I went into that and really, it was so eye-opening and, and really amazing. And I learned that people are more similar than dissimilar around the world. They want the same things. So I went back to Canada had a young family, and I started to um, work on the other categories of Unilever, hair care, skin care, deodorants. Because Canada was the number one market for Dove in many categories, I became part of the Dove global brand team. And I worked on the campaign for Real Beauty. We launched that first in Canada. We launched the Dove Self-Esteem Fund. Many people might know the Evolution ad with the uh, person who's transformed into a model. And then I got recruited by Ferrero because I had done everything I wanted to do and uh, reached uh, great achievements at Unilever. And I came to Ferrero 15 years ago. And uh, that's been a great experience because I've learned how to really take brands, new concepts, and transform categories and revitalize them. I've been now at Ferrero for uh, for 15 years. And I worked uh, first six years in, in Canada as a marketing director across the total portfolio. New products launched and uh, new campaigns launched. I went on then for six years. I lived in Luxembourg. Luxembourg. Luxembourg is a little country in the heart of Europe, but we have uh, our head office there. And I learned across all the different uh, categories. And I actually went back onto an international airplane assignment. I was working across the geographies of the world, almost everywhere but Europe. So I was living in Europe, but not working in Europe. And again, learning about culture, learning about people, experiencing great food and enjoying uh, that experience. So then I came back here to uh, to the U.S. And I've worked on our mainstream chocolate portfolio. And then I came back to the premium chocolate portfolio about eight months ago. So that's that's been my journey, I would say, a really broad-based journey. And uh, this is my third now international assignment. And it's exciting. And building out from a broad base of marketing and sales and then laddering it up to different, uh, I would say, global and international experiences has been my path to to where I am now. That's awesome. I mean, I, I've had a number of folks on the show and I, I do find it interesting, the folks that have spent e kind of early in their career, equal time, if you will, between sales and marketing. And um, I think it's a really nice compliment. I don't know if you agree, like in your early training, like understanding the how marketing works, but then how sales happen, <laughs> if that makes a lot of sense or not. A hundred percent, Alan. It's uh, for me such a, it was foundational and fundamental. I describe it to young people in marketing is um, you don't want to be a purist in that sense because you'll lose the understanding of how it transmits right through to the end, end store. And you have to be on the other side to catch the marketing programs that you develop, that other people develop, and you really figure out that didn't work so well or that was a great marketing program. It was so easy to execute and uh, the sales went up. So walking a mile in someone else's shoes is fundamental, I think, to learning and empathy and growth, very foundational. And I think the sales and marketing function needs to be very integrated. You have to be able to get right to that end decision point on the shelf, it builds your awareness, builds your, I would say, your 360 vision. And one of the funniest things when you're a young marketer and you really excited to go into your first sales call, you say, yeah, we have these number one brands, they're fantastic. And 
the person in the store says, not in my store. And then you really realize that you've got to take some of your um, empathy and, and knowledge of, of, of the store manager and the, the retail environment. And uh, uh, humility goes a long way. And again, you experience that from the other side and walk in someone else's shoes. And it's very good for your holistic learning. Oh, it's, it's awesome. Let's talk a little bit about the company, Ferrero, and tell me a little bit more about it. A lot of people will know the brands and maybe not the company, if that makes sense. No, I think that's a, with you're dealing with multinationals and a lot of companies face that challenge. You know, I, I have the good fortune to be working on Ferrero Rocher, which is the company's flagship, and it's the brand and the company name on it. We're really passionate about product. We're passionate about product quality. We're, we pursue the best raw materials. We process them and take them to make the, the best recipes. And that passion for product and that passion for excellence in, in everything, packaging as part of the product and the proposition creating really experiences, products that are experiences. And I would say that what's unique about Ferrero is that we transform or revitalize uh, the markets we enter. Tic Tac is an example. There was no mini mint. We created this discrete mini mint. And the funny story about Tic Tac is it actually takes uh, 24 hours to make a Tic Tac. There are a hundred layers and that's the pursuit of the excellence and the quality, the thinking about making it so flavorful right through to the core. It takes 100, 100 layers or 24 hours to make a Tic Tac. So that's the kind of depth that the company goes to. But we have fantastic brands. So people know Ferrero Rocher, premium artisanal chocolate for the masses. And uh, we obviously have um, very unique packaging. And we're revitalizing the category. We're... Uh, growing at double digits. And we have been for the last uh, four years. And, and that trend will continue as uh, the market premiumizes. But uh, you know, other concepts I could talk about that are really unique and revitalize and transform categories is if you think about spreads, kind of a heavily commoditized uh, category. Nutella comes in, adds $400 million of new business over the last uh, decade. And really, again, revitalizing the category and bringing joy to breakfast and, and other meal occasions. You've hit on a, a number of my favorite it's Nutella at our house is always almost an empty jar. <laughs> Even when you open it fresh, uh, and there's nothing better than that like fresh opening of one with you know the smooth uh, Nutella on top, and you, next thing you know, there's a big spoon gone uh, of it because you can't you can't hold yourself back. It's <laughs> so. quite irresistible, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. And Tic Tacs, like um, it's funny, you know, I don't think about. Tic Tacs that often, but like my, my grandfather used to carry those around, um, when I was a kid. And, um, you know, I always thought it was the funniest thing that he would only give me two, but the, you know, the first time I, I tasted them, I was like, Oh my goodness. Now I know I only get two. <laughs> they're so small, but they're, they're powerful. But, uh, those are some amazing brands, but like, I know you, you mentioned, you know, being a steward of the product itself and revitalizing products as well as categories. I know you guys have made a number of, of acquisitions. Uh, one of them was the former Nestle brands like Baby Ruth. And I'm curious how you guys approach that because those are, that's also one of my, one of my more favorite candy bars, I guess is the right word <laughs> I'm looking for. And I've always liked it, but like it kind of went out of style like years and years ago. I don't, and, and you just never heard about it. And it just seems like, I don't know how brands fall out of favor in companies, but it would 
be nice to hear how you're revitalizing them. Well, I think that it starts with the philosophy of the company to really go deep. As I mentioned, uh, I mentioned the, the Tic Tac 100 layers and 24 hours because that's the kind of depth and experience and pursuit of passion of of quality that the company has. So on those former Nestle brands, which actually I worked on for a couple of years before coming back to premium chocolate, those products, uh, you have to start again with the essence of what made them great in the beginning. And so we went back to the, get the best raw materials, the right ingredients, really refine the recipes. And then it's about processing, caring for those developing them into the finished product with in, we have an incredible group of people in our product and manufacturing side they put the real passion into it and it's not just not just uh, small things but they they go deep and they keep refining and, and improving the consistency of that quality I think that the expression I have is that all great brands stand on top of great products you can't shovel fog so you have to have uh, something there that the consumer uh, finds of great value that they uh, appreciate and I think you know you'll have to you have to go deep on that product side and beyond that we start to say okay how do we take out things that don't add value. So I mentioned Nutella before, it's only seven ingredients in Nutella. So what we did on the former Nestle brands to revitalize them is we, we, we actually took out artificial preservatives, color, artificial coloring, TBHQ, things like this that, you know, you can't pronounce people don't want and don't like they got there because people were trying to cost cut and find uh, cheaper uh, ways to, to do things. And that doesn't work over time. And that's where things start to become, you know, you can salami slice the formula and you can actually make money in the short term, but then over the long term, the brand suffers because the product isn't delivering. And most people want great products that deliver at a great price and, and fit their, their image. So I think it all starts there. And then we put the packaging quality there to make sure the product is always fresh. And what we did on the former Nestle brands, we put the crispity, crunchity, peanut buttery explosion on the Butterfinger bar. We put the crack and crunch of the of the crunch bar right on the pack so people could, oh, that's I, re I remember now what that looks and tastes like. So it tastes irresistible. It looks beautiful. It looks, it looks mouthwateringly delicious. So when you put all that inside, you have to put it on the outside, put the proposition on the pack. And then finally, communications, you know, looking for ways to bring the, the brand to life, the product, the personality and the proposition in, a, in, in, in single and simple creative. And so we invest deeply in that. And I think we look at all the touch points, but we spend a lot of time to get that simple, single-minded product proposition, personality. And that's part of how we do it. Now, it sounds very simple, but the first thing you have to do is look at the product. And that's the, for our philosophy is make a great product, be relentless, be passionate, pursue the best. And, uh, and that's what we did on the former Nestle brands that brought them back to life. And now they're growing all double digits and uh, revitalizing the category. We're getting great support from our sales organization, our trade partners. And um, I think, you know, those lessons of, of brand stewardship are, I mentioned earlier, going up against the fortress of Tide and telling people they could get dirty. Well, the first thing we had to do was we had to make a recipe or a formula that actually did, did the job. And there was no zero deficit relative to the, um, the market leader. So, the promise was delivered. And that 
was fundamental to revitalize and regenerate that brand and get it back to its historic market share. I mentioned it doubled the business in three years. It was actually bringing back what people wanted and they knew. So you mentioned Baby Ruth. What we did in that case is we went back to the best quality peanuts and we air roasted them. And, you know, we built new ovens, fantastic air roasting technology. And the difference between, you know, frying, frying an, uh, a peanut versus air roasting it, you get a much more higher top end taste on the peanuts. And, and that's why Baby Ruth is it, part of the reason why Baby Ruth is so fantastic today and is growing now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Oh, that's awesome. I did some simple research with a, a, another person that came on the show um, from a, a test, which is a, a, a research vendor, but we did a simple one of the simple questions we had was like give consumers ability to tell us what went into their last purchase decision and it was so eye-opening to me because obviously price is a big lever like it was the biggest lever but if you don't want to compete on price the next thing in the list that was like nearly two and a half three times that of advertising and physical availability was quality and we forget, I think, as marketers that the a lot of times that the product has to be great, right? Like otherwise it's just marketing is just lipstick on a pig. You know, <laughs> like the product has to be great. And I love the fact that you guys go so deep on product quality and making sure you get it right. That's that's amazing. And I've got to go buy a baby Ruth when we get done. <laughs> so I've got to go get uh, get my nostalgia back with the great peanut taste and chocolate. Well, Mark, premiumization, if I can say that word properly, uh, it's happening everywhere um, from you know food to liquor. How are you guys capitalizing on that trend? Well, you're right, Alan. I, I read a recent Economist article which was talking about, you know, it's happening in coffee, happening in, in um, food and, and even in pet food. We know what the with the certain environment in the COVID world, obviously pets have become really important. And um, I think there's a trend to better. There's a a desire in general for consumers to want more, to get more. Uh, they're looking for premium quality. Uh, they're sophisticating their palates. They're sophisticating their lives, and and they're looking for for better quality. Uh, I think what we're capitalizing on, as I mentioned, Ferrero Rocher is growing at seventeen uh, percent, revitalizing the category, growing market share. And the thing is that we're adding premium benefits on top of great products. So uh, if you think about what adds value in people's lives is is emotional benefit and experience. 
you know, people move from commodities to products to uh, brands to benefits, but then on to experiences. That's the laddering up. And, you know, they could just talk about Kinder for a second. Kinder is now a $400 million brand in the category, bringing a very unique, very uh, distinctive taste and texture appeal in the Bueno Bar, which is uh, crispy and creamy. And that's a that's a whole new level of sophistication relative to some of the legacy bars. Then we have Kinder Joy, which has a fantastic name, obviously. But the essence of that is, as a parent, you want to spend time with your kids. You want to have them, you know, have a great day, take that to the next level with a little bit of joy, or when they have a bad day, make them feel feel happier again. So kids want to have a bit of joy and time with their parents, but they're obviously delighted by the, the product with a toy in it. So, you know, we've got uh, really what happens around a Kinder Joy is the parent buys it, gives it to the child, the child opens it, has a spoonful of product, and then passes the toy to the parent and says, can you help me build this? And there's a great moment that happens between them that is priceless. And parents build the toy. They spend a moment together. That's added value. That's not just selling product. That's adding emotion. That's adding experience. And, you know, Ferrero Rocher is the same way. We have a brand that's delivering a celebration. It's delivering sparkle, elegance, a little touch of luxury to the everyday or to the celebration. So I think, you know, the premiumization trend is real, but it's not just about charging higher prices. It's actually adding something more, adding value to people's lives. Those are great products. And man, you have unbelievable products to work on. (laughs) As I think about Kinder in particular, my first exposure to that was with my daughter in Europe. I want to say we were in France or somewhere. And I guess it's the Kinder egg over there. Depends on the country, I think, at the end of the time. But um, and then eventually we made it back to the US and then they started coming to the U.S., to your point, and we've used them as well. I mean, she's now 14 and she still likes to get a Kinder Joy every once in a while. But I had those little toys that you're talking about. And, you know, there there is is more than a treat, to your point, because it's, I think you had said this before, is a lot of your products are experiences. And and that one in particular, I think, defines an experience, a shared experience between parent and child. So... Anyway, uh, phenomenal products. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Alan. And I hear you guys, I think the last time we chatted, you're like one of the biggest toy companies. (laughs) This is not a toy company. Is that right? Do I have that right? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually, depending on the time and the the period, uh, we do take the number one spot as a toy company. And uh, again, thinking deeply uh, and having the forethought and the uh, pursuit of, of and passion for excellence, we're designing toy collections five years out. We're understanding what the new trends are with children, what they would like. What are some of the evergreen trends? Dinosaurs, space exploration, adventure. Those things are always hot. And then there's moments in time where there's movies or there's certain, I would say, uh, cultural fads or, or hit things that we, we also capitalize on. But we really have a system that we're making toys in a in a very long term way, and we're thinking deeply about what what kids are going to be excited about, uh, what's going to be fun, and yeah, from time to time we become the number one toy company in the world. So it's it, it's quite unique, and you need that you need that deep knowledge to figure out how to make a little tiny toy, put it inside a capsule, deliver it with a with a fresh, uh, excellent tasting product in a unique way. So I think yeah, to premiumization I think is a 
is not just a fad, it's a trend. It's going to continue for the long term. We're capitalizing on that. Uh, I mentioned that Kinder's become a $400 million brand, revitalizing what was a flat and uh, not growing pr- uh, mainstream chocolate uh, category before. And so um, I think retailers are looking for those premium products that can jumpstart and grow their category. And consumers consumers are really, even in inflationary times and in, uh, in times of economic stress, they're, they're definitely looking for products that are adding more value to their lives. Than, and I, I say that the, ex- the job of marketing is to add more value than cost. So that's what we're, we're trying to do at Ferrero. Well, I mean, we've talked quite a bit about like how you've brought these brands back to life, example after example, from you know Baby Ruth to Kinder Joy to putting Nutella in new occasions. <laughs> so I I feel like we've covered that topic. But like, how if you're trying to give advice to a brand manager or another CMO on revitalizing or find a finding a pathway to new growth, like what advice would you give them? I think that another area of really key leverage is occasions and special occasions. So if I was to build on what I talked about before, the expression is, if you know when, you know why. And a lot of marketers work on reason why and reason to believe. But if you work on reason when, and like I said, if you know when, you know why, there are occasions and moments in people's day and people's lives, and you can capitalize on those and you can add value to their lives. So if I take the example of Ferrer Rocher, special occasions, moments of celebration, whether they're on the calendar, in the diary, or they're spontaneous, you add a little sparkle, you add a little magic, you add emotional uplift and glamour. You make it the you make that moment a little bit more special because only the best will do. Could be the best for you and your friend, or you and your close ones, or a big gathering that you're hosting. The celebration can be holiday, Valentine's, Easter, of course, but it could also be a little moment in time. You say, this is something I want to mark. This is something I want to add uh, a little bit extra to. And, and I, again, I need something that is better and uh, looks better, tastes better, and has got this sense of taste of luxury and vitality. So if you look at those moments and you go into them, you can see the emotion and you can see the emotion and the experience that people want. So by unlocking that, by understanding that, you can understand and unlock additional added value and revitalizing the brand or bringing the brand to life. So again, you know, you want to give a gift to someone and express how you feel about them. And you need, you need a, a simple and helpful way to do that. If you're giving a gift to someone, you're not going to give something that's mundane or commoditized or maybe simple. You want to give something that's extra special, extraordinary. And that's where, again, Ferrero Rocher comes in. And we look at those special occasions and we figure out what the emotion is that's that's there. Could be, I miss you. We miss each other. It's great to be together. It could be, I love you. I'm thinking of you. So I think another way that brands can really bring to life and the premiumization trend is premium product, premium emotion. You need something that complements that emotion. And then the other thing that we do in a very deeply thought through way is the in-store environment. And you know, I have friends who know I'm working at Ferrero and I see our displays at one of the occasions. They say, wow, how do you do that? It's like incredible that you have this golden display shining there and you know it's Valentine's or holiday when Ferrero Rocher is on the store, the floor of the store. But on that, 
for those occasions, which um, we invest deeply in, it's what I call investment beyond reason. It's a belief. It's a deeply held belief that occasion will mark the moment. And we, we will be someone and we can provide added value and help lift people's moments of, of, of togetherness and moments where they're trying to express their feelings. Um, and we can, we can add a lot of value. And so we, we invest in those displays to mark the occasion and try to own it. I mean, this is, as you talk, I'm taking notes and this is a, a master's class in, in brand building, uh, if you will. We, we've talked about the product quality at the, at the base, right? The, the functional aspects of the product itself. And now you've layered on the emotions and this display, you know, the investing beyond, what did you say? Investing beyond? Investment beyond reason. Investment beyond reason. You're marking and, and enhancing that mental connection between the moments that matter for a consumer and your brand and you know creating that if you will network brain pathway you know that that will pay off not in that moment but over time and anyway it's it's phenomenal as i'm i'm sitting here taking notes and i'm thinking about this i'm like wow this this should be a case study for uh or like Kevin Keller up in Dartmouth, you know, <laughs> teaches brand management to students uh, every week. But um, no, this is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. I mean, and I love your notion of premium product linked with premium emotion. A lot of times, I mean, you've invested so heavily in the product quality, which I, we know is important to consumers, but the aspect of making the brand come to life with the premium emotion, I think is, is key as well. So great. It's just phenomenal. The the success that you guys are having, the double digit growth and the growth that you're getting with products that other companies just didn't want any longer. Like how, I don't want to comment on other companies, but man, that's a missed opportunity, <laughs> but great for you guys um, capitalizing on it. Yeah. Well, those products that we've acquired from Nestle have been revitalized also because they were great products to begin with. They just lost, they just lost their way. And it's, I think short-termism is really one of the things that sometimes can get in the way. Taking the long view, taking the long view is critically important to brand development. Well, and I think this gets to corporate strategy in some respects too. Like if you've expanded beyond those categories and they're no longer like in focus for you, you can lose sight of them. You can underinvest in those assets and getting them to a strategic company, a strategic category player like yourself makes a lot more sense. You can give it the time and the devotion that it's, that's needed to, to get the business going again. This has been phenomenal, but we, we've got a couple more questions <laughs> and we usually like switch gears a little bit here and get to know you a little bit more. We know you, you like exercise, you like food and many other things. But my favorite question to ask everyone that comes on the show is, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? I'd say that what really rubbed off on me from a young age is the values of my parents, especially my father, the integrity, the honesty, the doing the right thing, leaving things better than you found them, that it's never the wrong time to do the right thing, son. That was definitely uh, values that rubbed off on me. And then I would say that I worked on in the, in the business environment, I worked on a couple of challenger brand situations. I mentioned that going against the Fortress of Tide with go ahead, get dirty, and then eventually dirt is good. And going against the um, artificial, stereotypical beauty 
environments of many players and creating the campaign for real beauty. So that to me was the contrarian point of view. Still very insightful, but being distinctive. So I would say that those are a couple of the things that, that I built on the values, but then also the experiences of going up against some tough competitors. Yeah. And zigging when they zag, I guess. Zigging when they zag. Yeah. Taking the opposite point of view. What advice would you give your younger self if you're starting this journey all over again? I should have bought more Starbucks at $16. <laughs> no, I would, I would say enjoy the journey, not just the destination. Being type A, having that uh, type A personality as a market. Marketers, uh, I guess it's what a lot of marketers have, but I would also say uh, enjoy and take everything you can from the journey and not just the destination. And um, what one topic do you think marketers need to be learning more about or you might be learning, trying to learn more about yourself? I think I'm continuously trying to understand the social and psychological science or, or empathy behind people. So, you know, I could easily say it's digital transformation, e-commerce, but really I'll get to that in a second. The why behind the buy, the social and psychological understanding, the product is key, but so is the motivation. So, you know, I was talking to a colleague yesterday about performance marketing and ROI and in and out, you're getting this for that. And I think that's important, but it's not the whole thing. But performance marketing can lead to incrementalism and short-termism. And I think that's how some brands lose their way. And that's how some great brands sort of fall from grace. And if you're at that performance marketing, you can be toiling in tactics that look impressive in the short term, but don't lead to breakthroughs in the long term. I'm not not saying the science and the, those performance-based things are not important. They're absolutely, you have to have results, you have to deliver. And I think digital transformation, social e-commerce are fundamental and that, that's a huge growth and connection point. But if you really want to build amazing, on amazing products, you need to understand people. So I would say marketers need to learn more about social and psychological and empathy of people. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. And the fact that if you can understand people where they buy, i.e. like digital and other types of tactics, just become another channel, right? That we need to optimize and, and find them in the moments that matter for them. But you losing sight of why they, the why behind the buy, as you say, um, I really like that saying. I think it gets to the, the research too that's come out around like the long and short of it from... Uh, Les Bennett and um, I can't remember the other author, sorry. But, uh, you know, th those types of research around like how you need to place your bets and it, you have to have short and long term plays, if you will, makes a lot of sense. Two more questions. Uh, curious, we've talked a lot about the brands that you manage, but I'm curious if there are brands or companies or causes that you follow on a kind of more personal level or that you think people should take notice of? I think that um, the Dove brand is obviously very resilient and uh, just phenomenal to see that that campaign continues. And I think it's a great case study and a masterclass. And when we launched the campaign for Real Beauty, how fast the brand was repositioned in a from a product to a to an emotion again, and uh, you know, in the pandemic, they had some advertising, which is real beauty can be brave, showing healthcare workers wearing their masks for a long period of time. So I think that's a great example of refreshing a campaign and staying true to your essence and doing it in a topical, situational, relevant way. That's um, you know, you could feel the electricity around that. Nike is a phenomenal brand that makes great products and connects them to people. Cadillac. As a, as a car company, you know, 
um, it's very interesting <laughs> to have to have this very old American icon feeling agile, muscular, Almost athletic, ed- edgy, yeah, yeah, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. And you see the way they design the cars and the way that they—it's electric, it's edgy, it's it's agile, it's athletic, you know. And I was like, wow. And that's again—they've taken a very distinctive design philosophy. The cars stand out. You can tell there's an attitude and a personality there, right down to the detail of the way they design the lights and the corners. So I would say that that's a brand that I thought was, you know, maybe yesterday's, an old person's car. But they have taken, I think, a lot of these thoughts that I've been discussing with you and we've been discussing together, Alan, and they've built them into distinctiveness, emotional benefits. And they've taken, again, back to the people and understanding people is unarticulated needs. And they've understood that maybe people can't always say what they want, but by understanding what they actually want, and they have found a way to bring it to life in a, in a, in a great looking car. It's, uh, so those are some brands that I'm following and I think uh, are, are worth watching. Those are great. Well, last question for you. What do you think is the largest opportunity or threat facing marketers today? I think that the integration of benefits for multi, multi-stakeholders across different, the paradigm of not just selling more stuff to more people, but thinking about your colleagues, your customers, your community, your company, and obviously making, making businesses grow, but doing it in a holistic way and holistic winning. So it's multi-stakeholder, not just ESG and sustainability, but even down to regenerative. Uh, and I think that that's an opportunity we need to, and we should do more things that are really thinking through the total value equation. Some of our factories have gotten to zero waste. Others we're doing micro generation of of the energy needed to run the factory we took out all of the old lights and put in led not to make a it's a big capital investment but actually over time it saves money and it's the right thing to do so i think that marketers need to have 360 vision but 365 day vision and thinking about broadly and the long view and the long view is an opportunity, but it's you know if we're not careful, it's also a threat. But I think uh, we have to keep we have to keep that holistic, regenerative approach, and uh, it's more demanding, but so it should be, I think. And uh, I think marketers have to um, to raise their game beyond just selling more products to more people more often. I love it. Well, Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. I learned a lot about how to revitalize brands and uh, I hope you enjoyed the conversation as well. I did. I did, Alan. I loved it. And um, I'm glad you're such a fan of our products. And it was nice to hear uh, some of your um, your perspectives as well. And I mean, you've got a very rich show. I see a lot of fantastic people on the show. You're obviously doing a great job in attracting people. And, and uh, these kind of conversations are, are fantastic. I found it energizing and inspiring myself. So thank Thank you. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. 
There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.